This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good morning, family. Um, it's great to be back. Uh, yeah, it feels like ages. We've moved across to the countryside, but it feels as if we've moved to another country if you just go opposite the mountain, right? We're now in the Lekkerkeruda in Booster. And... Um, yeah, totally different. I can remember when uh, the door opened in Worcester for us and we felt God leading us there. I said to Rick, it is the most, um, it's not a pretty town. Um, I love Stellenbosch. I like the mountains and it's green and it's beautiful and somehow this municipality keeps it actually nice and tidy. Um, so we moved to Worcester and God is surprising me with the Karoo, with little fakey flowers, with all the pretty things that you get on the other side of the mountain. I'm just in awe every morning as I see the sunrise. It is beautiful. So if you ever, students, get a job opportunity in Worcester, it's the place to come. All right. We will be waiting for you there. Um, Rick and Cardo and little Hubert, they send their love. They are in Worcester today. Thank you for my travel buddy, Fia. She came with me today. Um, thank you for coming with, Sissy. It's lovely to spend time with you in the car. We had a little playlist as we got here. Um, so in the beginning, she said, no, we're going to listen to Cardi's playlist. He's 10 years old, so we went for it, like in the car as we came through the tunnel. And um, yeah, it's just fun for me sharing life with them. My heart is for discipleship. So if you're a parent, yes, you have to disciple your kids. I'll talk about that today. If you're not yet a parent, but you do love Jesus, by default, you should be making disciples. So if you think you can put on your screensaver this morning, I'm very sorry you cannot, all right? I'm speaking to everyone. When I was a student, I had this plan of becoming married when I was 30, 28 to 30. Little did I know that God's plans for me were a lot different. I got married very young and I had my kids very young and before I knew it, I had to start to disciple my children as well as other people, all right? So you can look to the one next to you, but you can tell them we need one another right? We need this message this morning. I wish somebody was sharing this message when I was a student, okay? So switch on, get your head right. I have a lot to share this morning. I really believe this is a word God has given me to share with our movement, not only a few congregations, so I'm very excited to be here, all right? I want to honor Sias, Louise, um, Eugene, George Nicholas, Yes, I lived next to George Nicholas when I was, um, past, we were pastoring the church in Paul. He was my next door neighbor. He was a teenager. Awesome to see what God did in his life. So thank you guys for trusting me with the pulpit to share the word this morning. Yeah, it's really a privilege for me. All right, so I want to show you a few photos of generations. If you look at it, maybe you have your own picture in your mind. Maybe just this holiday, Gran took you aside. We must take the picture, the picture, Opa and your grandfather, big great-grandfather, daddy, you, and they will probably make mis um, comments about your noses being the same or whatever, right? So if you look at that, especially if you are a bit older, there's an emotion it touched in your heart. If you think about your people, if you think about your forefathers, maybe they're still alive, maybe not. I have still both my grandfathers and grandmothers. The eldest is 96 and 92. We went to say goodbye three times. They don't want to go, all right? They're still alive. I'm very lucky to have them, okay? But there's something that stirs in your heart when you seize that, and that is the place I trust the Holy Spirit will minister into 
this morning. If you came to church because it's the thing you do on a Sunday, I want to challenge you this morning. Expect that Jesus is going to change you in this, in, this, in this service this morning. That the truth will change you this morning. We have to walk out changed. We have to walk out saved from something that we didn't see. So expect that. All right. Are you awake? Okay, great. So the, the kids that I work with is mostly 0 to 14 year olds. I've been in Shofar's children's ministry for 16 years. I started out as a very young student. I was very stupid. I didn't know a lot. I didn't have a lot of experience, but I learned so much, so much. Gentlemen, if you're looking for an awesome wife, she's in children's church ministering to the kids this morning. She's learning. She's getting a lot of experience for your own shenanigans one day. I just wanna leave that with you. She's sacrificing, she's serving the body of Christ. That is the place you actually need to find a wife. Anyway, that's just for free. Um, so I work with the 0 to 14 year olds. That is the, the, the kids that I normally work with. They make out half of the world's population, half. They are also the segment that we actually just wanna leave behind because they are difficult to work with, they take a lot of effort. It's different than grown-up world, but half. And somehow I find that we are not looking to them. We are not actually seeing them. We are not acknowledging them. We wait until they become teenagers, and then we want to pick it up, and then it is too late. All right, so that is, that is where my heart is at, and that is why I wrote um, the first volume of Heroes of the Bible. I want to help parents, grandparents, any grown-up to break open the word of the Lord for a child. People ask me, what ages is this book for? And I tell them, have you ever spoken about the word of the Lord with your child? If you've never done that, she can be 16, you can read it to her as well. She can read it to you, you can have a conversation together. It helps you with questions and things that I ask you to share, to talk about the word of the Lord. The conversations that comes out is beautiful, all right? So, so if, you, if you are able to afford it, if you can buy this book, keep it, put it in your true circus. In the Afrikaans um, culture, we have like a big chest in front of your bed. Normally your mom and dad has that and they will put things in there for you when you get married one day. So this is something you can put in there. This is something that you will definitely use, all right? But what do I see in our movement in the church today. I see people say it's the parents' responsibility to disciple their children, it's not mine. I'm not married or I had my children and I'm now older, so it's not my responsibility. So the news flash this morning is, primarily it is the parents' responsibility. We as parents, we wanna shy away from it as much as possible. We wanna pay a lot of money for many other people to disciple our children. It is the pastor's job, it is the teacher's job, it is this one's job, it is the nanny's job. I'm so sorry parents, none of the above. It is your responsibility primarily. But now we belong to the body of Christ. Now we know Jesus and we know my life is about service and about getting out there. So the next generation, you just saw them walking out there. It is all of your responsibility to look after them, to be an example to them, to help them in whichever way you can. I see you have parent evenings. What a wonderful opportunity to say, this is my way of sowing into the next generation by saying, 
Mommy, Daddy, I'll come watch your children so that you can attend. We had a project running in Swakopmund where the church had to buy um, stationery for an underprivileged school. And on that weekend I was there, I said, this must be done. You have the money, I know you have it, give it so that the kids can go to school. Serve them, give them, make sure that they get it, the right education, etc. Because it's all of us, it's all our responsibility together. Now, the biggest trap that we set for our children, that you and I, all of us, the biggest trap we set in the church today, that we set in the show for movement today, the biggest trap is the religious spirit. I see it, I see it as I go around. That is the trap that we set for them. Now you can tell me, no, Anita, we're in a life-giving church. It's great if there's life in the church, but is there life in your house and in your home? Is the Holy Spirit alive in your house and your home? And I want to speak to that, to that to you this morning. The Jesus that you can see in church, the Jesus that maybe you can experience in small group, is that the Jesus that is alive in your homes behind closed doors? We live in a world where, I'll talk about that a bit more as well, where we are fake. Okay, maybe I should go there first, yeah. So how do I see this religious spirit manifest itself in our midst? I'm not a theologian. Um, I'm actually just the teacher by, by trade. So this is just by experience of what I've seen in the last 16 years working with kids, especially in the Shofar movement, because that's where my house is and where God has planted me. But my kids are in primary school, so I see a lot of other people's children as well. I'm a hockey coach as well. I work with different kids. Love to work with children. But what are the, the things that I see? This religious spirit, how does it manifest itself? Number one, it pretends it's fake. It wants you to be fake. It wants you to live a lie. Oh, I'm fine. Nothing wrong with us. But if you go home in the evenings, if you are behind your walls, then you lose it. You lose it on your husband, your wife, you lose it on your children. You lose it on those closest to you. And the Holy Spirit and the power and the discipline, it helps you, it's just nowhere to be found. I wanna to read to you Ephesians 4.15, it says, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. To speak the truth in love is very difficult. It is not something that comes easy. If I have to address an issue in your life, if I have to speak truth into that place, it's something we shy away from because it can bring confrontation. And we don't like confrontation. Who doesn't like confrontation? No, we just wanna keep the peace. We just wanna keep the peace, especially in the household. Let's just keep the peace. So let's just throw the truth out the door. To speak that truth is difficult. And the enemy, the religious spirit, is telling you, you don't have to speak the truth, just fake it. Just fake it, it's all right. Don't tell your friend or your neighbor what you're going through. You can just fake it, just tell them it's fine. You don't have to open up towards your husband or whatever, just fake it. And we're full of fake lies, we're full of Facebook and Instagram, and it's fake. And you watch it and you go through there and you feel so bad because everybody's got glorious lives except you. Newsflash, it's fake, most of it, all right? Every year and there you pick somebody up that will share their bad days as well, okay? 
Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Oh, difficult. But only such as is good for building up. So what does that truth bring? It actually starts to build us up. It starts to mature us. The truth will set you free, the Bible teaches us. So let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And I realize as I grow and mature in Christ, I get the guts and the boldness to start to speak the truth, and I see the beautiful fruit that comes with that. Difficult situations where you need to speak the truth into, and God uses that to bring him glory. Beautiful. Now, in the Second World War, we had families listening to the radio. That is how they got the information from. Most of the families or the towns weren't that big, so maybe a bit of word of mouth, but then they would sit at the radio and they will hear, where's the war at at the moment? What is going on out there? What is happening to us? So it was by listening. And I think at that um, during those times, kids were maybe better with listening to what they hear. But today's children are totally different. They get stimulated and they believe by what they see, not so, not so much as what they hear. So here's the challenge. You need to show them the truth, not just speak it, show it. There was one guy in that time, his name was Adolf Hitler, he believed something. It was a lie, but he believed it. He repeated that lie over and over and over again until it shaped a nation, until it changed history. The lie became the truth for them. So this morning, I trust that the Holy Spirit will show you what lie are you believing? You believe it over and over again because that's the power of words, that's the power of the lie, but as well as the power of the truth. It can change generations. And by the grace of God, may we grab onto the truth this morning and what God says we should do regarding discipleship and the generations coming after us. Because we need to change the course of our destiny and the destiny of our children for this country. You are very quiet, oh my goodness. Oh, whatever, right. So we work with kids who can smell fake a mile away. If I walk into a children's church class, they know if I've prepared or not. They will tell you, okay? They're not even shy to do it. They want you to show it. So they see that you're hopping up and down there in church, worshiping, lacquer, but then they see you over the weekend coming out of Tullis, or they see you at home, daddy, when you work with mommy. They see you, and it's not the same. I ordered this watch for me. Oh, it's so pretty. I love a big face watch. So <clears throat> I looked for one that's a price that I can afford. I order it online, so excited. Not very good with online shopping, so I'm trying it for like the second, third time. Waiting, 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 waiting. When is my pretty watch coming? And there it comes at last. Rip open the package, cannot wait to put it on my wrist and to start wearing it. And then I saw all the way from whichever ocean it comes, it's broken. It's fake and it doesn't work. If you show the generations behind you something fake, they will pick it up, they will look at it. You've prepared for this. You're now so excited because this is what you've given them. If it's fake, they will throw it. 
and they will not put that um, watch on their wrist. You know it's the truth. Who wants to wear that? I don't want to wear that. I can't wait to just stop launching my book because I can throw it away, all right? It is not working. Is your religion working? Is Christ working in your life? Otherwise, your children, the generation after you, students, high school children, they're going to look at you and see you are fake. And I'm going to throw that gospel that you want to preach to me. Mom and dad, you are fake. It's not real. Is real perfect? Real is not perfect. But it's real. Our lives don't have to be perfect. It must be real. So they look at us. How do we handle stress? How do I manage my wife when she's in a difficult mood, but also when I'm in a difficult mood? It's difficult. It's behind those walls where nobody can see. The children watches us. How do you treat the elderly? How do you treat people you don't know? How do you treat the beggar on the street? How do you love? Especially in the hard times. How do you love? Parenting is very hard work. It was always my dream to be a mom, even when I was a student. Yes, I wanted to work a bit, but my, really my dream was to be a parent. Never in my life have I imagined it would be such hard work. Over and over and over again. And then you get a little glimpse here and it's glorious. You're like, oh, something is coming together. And then it goes down again. It's a roller coaster ride. My Facebook comments on all the babies being born in our of the people I know is, welcome to the other side of life. It's a roller coaster, but I will trade it for nothing on earth. And that is really what it's like. I hear students telling me they're so busy, they're so busy, they cannot come to small group, they cannot come to this. I just smile. I know you're busy. I'm also busy. The difference is you're busy with yourself. And when you move over to the other side, you're busy with others. You're busy with your children. You're busy with what they, how can you help them? How can you reach them? You're busy with something else. I was a student too. You need to be educated, guys. But the truth is, your biggest worry is maybe, okay, some of your finances maybe to work or to get something to eat. If I think of my student days, I need to hurry up just to get to all my things that I need to get to. Today, I, I hurry up or I plan my day so that four other people can get to where they must be and what they must have and how I must do it. It's just, it's a change. It's exciting, and you're on your way there if you're a student. Hang on, it's coming. God's grace is enough for you when you get there. Just know that it's coming. It is hard work. So what are the excuses that we use? So, Alina, I cannot disciple my children. You'll see what discipling looks like if it's not clear to you. I cannot do it. I don't have the time. We hear that often from parents. I don't have time. I don't have the money. I have too much money. Rick went for a jog with a new dad in our town the other day, and he said to Rick, they moved to Worcester to be in the countryside because it's, it's a better place to raise your children. He says, it's just a pity that there's not such a lot going on, but luckily has, his boy has got a PlayStation to keep him busy with. And that is the reali realization in our homes today as long as somebody else can keep them busy with. If you do have enough money to, to have your kids at extra, things they do after school, extracurricular activities, that thing, is that all right? You know what I'm talking about. You put in so much of them because then they are not with you. 
There's nothing wrong with that, but many parents, too much. They want you, mom and dad. They want your input. They want you to show them how to um, knock a nail into something, how to do this, how to do that. I cannot paint, so I take her to somebody to teach her to paint. You hear me? But I can kick a ball, and I have my talents, and it's my job to show them that. And through that, I start to disciple them. Then she can't do it. Then she starts to cry. Okay, what do we do if things get stressful, if, we, if we're frustrated, etc.? They want us. Excuses, that's what I'm busy with. There's no blueprint in how to reach the next generation. If there was one, I would have wrote the manual. I could give it to you. I say, right, here you are. Study it so long. By the time you get there, you got it. No blueprint for this. That is the frustration when we get to adulthood and now we need to be an example and reach out to the generation after us. How do you do it? And it is difficult. And they are difficult. How do we meet one another? It's, it's, not a, it's not a recipe. It's not a quick fix. We so badly want quick fixes and we are so willing to pay a lot of money for that. Ain't I right? I don't have time to make food. I can quickly fix it by going through a drive-thru. Ah, discipleship does not work like that. It's your responsibility, first and foremost, parents. I had a lady come up to me and she says to me, my kids don't live with me, they live with my grandmother. And I said to her, in the spirit, you need to take up this job. Although you don't spend as many hours with them as your mom, it's still your responsibility. You are still their mother. You need to say, Jesus, yes for this. He will have grace and he will make a way. Maybe you're just a prayer warrior for them. But you need to take that responsibility this morning and say, Father, I forgot that it's actually mine to take. Congregation, you need to stand and say, Lord, that generation is ours to stand for. Second way I see how this religious spirit manifests, no power. There is no power in the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? There's just no power in Christ. My favorite scripture, John 16, 7. Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's talking about going away somewhere. They are panicking because he cannot leave us. Jesus in the flesh, being with us, cannot leave us. It is the best thing. Here he is, God, our Father, our Redeemer. Here he is. He teaches us. Our teacher now is telling us he's going away. So what does God tell them? What does Jesus tell them? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Jesus cannot lie. It is to your advantage that I go away. This taught your voordeel, that I go away, Jesus, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The helper, the Holy Spirit, the helper. God knew that we will not be able to do life. <laughs> so he sent us the helper. That's so awesome. That same helper is the one that brings wisdom. It's the one that comforts you. So the religious spirit, it takes the flow of the Holy Spirit out. First in your house. First in your marriage bed. Then in the kitchen and the kids' rooms. He sucks the power and the freedom that the Holy Spirit brings out of you. Your family, your surroundings, hopefully not the church. But hey, if we operate here in a way and in our homes in another, maybe that's also fake. All right? 
That's what the religious spirit does. So the question I have for us is, are we still actually interested in what God's will for our lives is? Because it's something we sing and it's something we say, but I can promise you, you stand here in front and you have a baby dedication. It's one of my favorite things to do in ministry is to, to help dedicate babies to the Lord. But you make promises to God when you do that. Can you remember your promises? It's easy to promise when they are very tiny. As they grow up, that promises to stand by them becomes very difficult and challenging. So, yes, Lord, for my family, for our household, is it still that we are seeking God's kingdom? Really? Like, no, really, really. I ask my, myself this question of, of, often. I lose my focus. It happens, and we need to have a chat with one another, husband and wife, brother, sister in the family, wherever you are. Do we still pray over our children? Lord, not my will, but your will be done. We had a pastor's um, meeting together, pastor's summit. Many years ago, I had my first or second child, can't remember. I took a dip and the kingdom of God was far away. I was feeling so sorry for myself because I'm just breastfeeding all the time. I can't do anything else. And in that meeting, we were sitting, and I can remember Fred May looking up, checking me in the eye, and he said, the kingdom of God does not come to a standstill because you have to breastfeed. And he was speaking to all the ladies, but I knew he was speaking to me. That was my word for the day. And I realized, that is my hide, this paksla, that's my hiding. Yes, that's me, Lord. My heart was not for God's kingdom. My heart was not to support Rick in ministry at that stage. Yes, physically, I cannot go anywhere, everywhere that he goes, but my heart was out of it. I was not seeking God's kingdom first. I was just feeling sorry for myself. If you know, if you've been there, oh, you feel like a cow. All you have to do is just give milk, milk, milk all the time. It's not lacquer. So you can tell me, Alida, I've prayed. I pray, I pray myself silly, but nothing happens. Okay, so this might be a word for you this morning. You pray and pray, but nothing happens. If we pray according to God's will, it will happen. Do you know what is God's will? I pray that my husband will start to pick up his clothes probably every month. Let's say for the first six, seven years of my marriage. Nothing happens. I'm so frustrated. And I tell the Lord exactly that. I cannot anymore. I cannot pick after this man in, after after this man anymore. God, I have babies to care for. I have a household. And then the Holy Spirit tells me one morning, it's not my plan for Rick now to teach him that. I want you to pray this for him. So I'm like, okay, I can do that. I start to pray what God tells me. Immediately it changes in his life. Immediately. You need to pray what God's will is. Do you know what his will is? Can you hear his voice? If you can't, you need to grow. I'm going to talk about that because this church teaches us how to hear God's voice, how to be obedient to God's voice. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck. You're not going to know what to pray for. Well, when was the last time you prayed for your husband or your wife? What did God say to pray for them? Moments and dads, um, colleagues, fellow students. God's will, not your will. We pray so that we can be comfortable. 
oh, just take this away, just make him better, just give me this so that my life can be comfortable. We do not grow if we are comfortable. God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they are three in one. They will shift you out of that place so that you're uncomfortable, out of your box. That is where you grow. And we need to grow. We need to lead the next generation, but we are immature in Christ. Don't like to grow. We pay money for everything to make our lives comfortable. All right. So here's the thing. I know deep in our hearts we actually want to do this. God, we want to do your will. We love you, Jesus. We, we really want to see this come to life. So one thing I've identified, we're in a life-giving church. We really have a relationship with Jesus. Lord, we love you. Something is in the way. There's an idol in the way of us actually just walking and doing what God has given us for our seasons. The exact something that we really, so many of us really trust God for has become our idol. The exact thing, thing I'm talking about today. Children has become our idol. How do I see it? I helped a child with the oral the other day, friends of ours. They wrote it out and I just have to help him present it. One of the lines in his oral is, this is the era of the child. And as he was saying that, I went, oh, that is a lie. It is a lie, and I can see it's a lie his parents believe. It is not the era of the child. It's the era of God's kingdom and his glory to come. And children should know that. God first. His plans first. I know you wanted a happy meal. I'm sorry, we're not now in a place. We're on missions. There's no happy meal. Eat your mango and be quiet. Is it easy for them? Is it comfortable? No, but will they grow? They will. So in Shofar, moving around a lot of moms, young ladies, you will get there in a few years' time. Open your ears. Listen. I see it. No, we can't come to church. It's too difficult. Can't come to, I can't get it done. I can't get everybody ready to come to church. Don't even talk about small groups because we cannot do small groups with children. It just doesn't work. The question I'm being asked the most is, how do you do a small group with children? Students, enjoy your small groups. It's a wonderful time. It gets very complicated when you're a bit older with a family. But it's so good for us. In Paul, we had a small group, 28 children. Every Wednesday morning, there's something else wrong with me. And I think, I cannot make it. I will never go there. You must go take place here. Okay. I can never make it. I cannot go to small group. I get all these excuses ready. When Rick comes in the house, I tell him, oh, I can't go to small group tonight, this, this, and that. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Come, get everybody ready. We're leaving. So thankful for a husband who just said it straight. And then we have the most beautiful times. When I still walk up the steps to that house, I go, oh, oh I'm so tired. Beautiful evenings where the Holy Spirit was moving. Can I go into that? I'll help you if you, if you want to ask more pointers on that. All right? Um, that is what I see. I see that I struggle to have a conversation with a mom or a parent because the kids are in the way the whole time, disrupting the conversation. I cannot come to visit you at your house just to have a cup of tea because my child is undisciplined. He's taking over the show. He's screaming and jumping and stealing the show, and I'm giving all the attention to him. This is the era of the child. Guys, this morning I'm telling you that has to stop. 
children also has to know their place so that lasting relationships can still happen. Your relationships do not, do not have to take a dip for 20 years while you raise children. That is a lie. Now, the thing is, I see it happen. I see, I see mothers totally overwhelmed. There is a time when your baby are small, I get it. And if you, if you have them like this in a row, it is challenging, I know it. It's many times just a change in your heart. And then I see how the church and salvation and Christ is just being put aside. And when I see that, it actually makes me sick at the stomach. So I'm asking this morning, does it make you sick at the stomach? Or has that lie become your truth? Has that lie become your reality? That is just how things are done. That is just the place that I'm at, and that is just how it happens. Third thing, I'm going to skip the scripture, Masha. Third thing, I see how, the whole, how that religious spirit manifests. It keeps you proud. I can do it by myself. I don't need anybody else to help me. This motherhood thing I've been waiting for forever, I can do it by myself. Was I there? Yes. Did I do it wrong? Yes. Did I fall in the strap of pride? Yes. I cannot wait for a mom with a baby to come to church. Honestly, I just want to take the baby. I want to allow the mommy to have nice worship. You know there's people in this church who also wants to do it. You need to allow them to do it, moms. You cannot do it on your own. What's so nice for me, um, I've told the story before, quickly going to tell it again. I was at a very low physically, very sick, um, highly pregnant, nauseous, no, nothing left in me, just in a bad space. I was sitting in my bathroom. I had two toddlers in the house. Rick was in ministry, so do not have a clue when he will be home. And I just realized, Lord, I cannot open this door. I cannot go out facing life. That was just one of the deepest lows in my life. And at that stage, I cried out to Jesus at the top of my voice. I said, he could help me with tears streaming down my face. And for the first time in my life, I experienced the comfort of the Holy Spirit like a physical blanket around me. And I realized, he's right here. He's here. Pick up your head. Ask for help. Have a talk to your husband. Put things in place. You can make it, girl. It's all right. This pregnancy will not last forever. And he did. Here I am today. Gideon had to fight the mighty Midianites. A wonderful story to encourage people, especially men, because Gideon was a man as well. He had to fight the Midianites, a mass of them. He didn't use a sword. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. I can go read it. All he did was he cried out to the Lord. He was obedient to what God said to him. Silly things. He was very scared. He asked God like 20 signs. Oh, I'm like, my patience is not that long. And God helped him. God fought that battle for him. Parents, the Lord wants to fight this battle for you. Still in our shofar, God wants to fight this battle for you to win the hearts of those, of those children of the next generation. He wants to do it, but you need to be obedient and do your part. Fourth thing, last thing. It sucks the fun out of life. The religious spirit sucks the fun out of life. You just had a lack of time at home and the atmosphere is nice and everybody's laughing and the next moment we have to pray for food. Then it's like, shh, listen. Daddy's going to pray. And there the fun goes. It is the religious spirit. 
in the car. We're listening to George Ezra and we're listening to whatever nice songs and the next moment a worship song comes up. Shh. I sing love songs to the Lord on Michael Bublé's music. It's maybe not anointed, but it's just, it speaks about my heart and of love for Jesus and I can just do it. We dance in our home, we have fun. When we read this book that I wrote to my children, it is so funny. I laugh. Don't tell them, don't laugh, don't laugh. No, it's fun, the things that they tell you. I had a conversation with Fia, and we're talking about hearing God's voice and God speaking to us in dreams. I shared how God spoke to me. She shared, and the four-year-old sitting on the bed going through his little car book said, he also wants to share. I'm like, okay. Too bad, what is God telling you? saying, God tells me that I should flush the loo when I'm done. And that is so four-year-old, yes. No, but what do we do? God won't say that. God is not into those things. For a four-year-old, that's his life, and God is into it. All right? Do not shun all those things away. I need to wrap up. I'm going to skip. Practically discipleship. They need to see us pray, worship, work through difficult times. We need to be vulnerable and open up. Our children need to see. I, I share with my kids, obviously, um, not everything, but I will share them. Today, I was so frustrated. Today, I had to go cry in my pillow because I just want to wring somebody's neck. Today, I was so sad, and this is how Jesus came to help me. They see me in the car calling unto Jesus to help me. They see me at home. They see me have my quiet time. They don't see me only worshiping here. They see me worship at home when I walk in nature. So the book that I've wrote is to help us in this process, to help us disciple. Somebody's asking me, Alida, when are you done? I said, I will be done when people disciple their kids properly. So volume one is out. The Bible is a very thick book, and if you make it easier for kids, it's even more thicker. So I said, hold on, older folks, don't leave me. When I'm 80, I'm going to do a box set, okay? So you need to stick around till then. Maybe we've been through the Bible by then, okay? If this word really inspired you, Jakob van Rooy and Shofa Swakop had an awesome sermon end of last year, around October last year, slaying the giants, talking about, go look it up on their Facebook. We have to slay the giants in our generation so that they don't have to do them as well. They will have mightier um, giants that they need to slay in the spirit. We need to do our job properly. Things to ponder on. Willard Sperry is a guy that said, just as worship begins to begins in holy expectancy, it ends in holy obedience. We worship, we like to worship in our songs and singing, right? It's a holy expectancy of meeting with the Lord. But what does the other side of that look like? To be obedient. If worship does not propel us into greater obedience, it is not worship. To stand before the Holy One of eternity is to change. If you come to church day in, day out, if you worship the Lord, but your life doesn't change because you aren't obedient, you're busy with sing songs and the religious spirit has you wrapped. True worship will bring you to a place of change. I'm going to skip the next one. Justin Coulson said, okay, why do we disciple? All of us have to disciple people. So here it is. You can keep it up there for a while if they want to write it down. Proper discipleship proper discipleship will cultivate good relationships that we know. Great relationships build autonomy. 
which allows us to leverage trust, which builds massive influence in your child's life. So you start to disciple them when they are little. This is now the perfect picture. I know it's not always like that. Because some of you, your kids have already grown. You proper disciple them. You build a good relationship through that. A great relationship will not come if you don't disciple. Okay? You want that relationship to be strong. Then autonomy will build. It will give you trust in that person's life. That by the time they come to the difficult teenage years, you have a massive influence. And that is church, what we must be to the next generation coming after us. A massive influence. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.